You're about to listen to a message of Foundation of Truth Assembly. May the word you hear bear fruits in your heart now and always. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Welcome to the month of May. What a time of praise and worship in God's presence. I especially welcome you to a month of possibilities. Can you stretch your hand? Let me pray for you. I decree and declare to your life as you come into this month of May in the name of Jesus that your steps will be ordered by the Lord. That you will be at the right place at the right time. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray for you in particular that you will not find yourself in a place where you will be hot. In the name of Jesus Christ, as many arrows that will be flying all through this month, the Lord will guide them away from you. He will guide you away from them. In the name of Jesus, your entire family is secured. I pray for you in the name of Jesus Christ. We will not see your obituary this month. In the name name of Jesus Christ, goodness will locate you. Favor will locate you. In the name of Jesus, the things you have prayed for that you have not received, may you receive them this month. May your feet be ordered. In the name of Jesus Christ, may you have expressed divine instruction this month. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray for you that supply shall come to you. Supply from heaven shall come to you. In the name of Jesus, the word of God says a daily load source will benefit. The benefit loaded into every day of me. May it find you. May you find the people that matter to you. May you find your loved ones in the name of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, take no thought about tomorrow. He said, each day has its own evil. May the evil in every day of this month, may all those evils elude you in the name of Jesus. They will not come near your dwelling. In the name of Jesus, the Lord will surround you with His mercy. Mercy like a shield. Mercy like a tower. Mercy that protects. May He surround you in the name of Jesus in this year of mercy. May you experience the mercy of God afresh. In the name of Jesus Christ, this is your month of freshness. May you encounter the freshness that comes by the Spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, as many of you that carry oil that are frozen, may there be an energy of the Holy Ghost to heat up that oil that is frozen. And may you begin to express freshness from this moment. Let there be a reactivation of the gifts and graces of God upon your life. In the name of Jesus, I reactivate the gifts and graces of God upon your life. In the name of Jesus Christ, you will arise and shine. This is the time for your life to shine. You shall arise and shine. You shall arise and shine. You shall arise and shine. Those who have seen you before will be wondering. So all this talent has been there before now and it has not shown. They will begin to see a new you. A new you will emerge. A new you will emerge in me. Kabankada. Baladuzo to Pragada. Ideruza to Meridikeriza. A new you will emerge in me. In the name of Jesus, may your life be turned around for good in this one. As you step into this one, may there start a turnaround. A turnaround. A turnaround for you. A turnaround for good. A turnaround for good. Everything you lay your 
Jesus shall prosper. In the name of Jesus, I release this prophetic word upon your life. May you go and usher the way. May this word open doors for you before you get them. May this word open doors for you before you get them. You shall not struggle this month. In the name of Jesus, I enable your life supernaturally. In the name of Jesus Christ, may you experience grace of God like never before. The grace of God like never before. May you experience it this month. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray for your prayer altar. For as many who have gone cold, for as many that don't even know what we are talking about when we talk about prayer altar. May there be a change. May there be a change. In the name of Jesus Christ, I energize that place in the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Welcome to a glorious month. Welcome to a time of lifting. I feel very, very energized in the spirit this morning. My duty is to to preach this morning. But this is how God is leading me this morning. Please permit me. I pray for those of you who are searching for something. I don't know what you are searching for. Make declaration upon your life that you will find it this month. As many of you who are searching for something, you have been asking questions for a long time. You have been making effort for a long time. May you find what you searching for this month. In the name of Jesus, may you find the answers that you are looking for. May you find the substance that you are looking for. May you find the breakthrough that you are looking for. In the name of Jesus, may you find that pathway that you are looking for. This month, this month, in the name of Jesus, you shall have a testimony. There shall be a performance of these things that have been spoken because I speak it in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Put your hands together for Jesus. It's such a lovely time. It's a time of glory. It's a time of lifting. Happy Workers Day. The reward due to those who work for the Lord. May they come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. And in your place of secular work, may you experience a turnaround. May your life be lifted. As many of you are working on your study, you are still a student. That's your work. May that work prosper in the name of Jesus. Whatever kind of job, white-collar job, blue-collar job, no-collar job, may God crown your effort with success in the name of Jesus. You shall do exploits. You shall be great. You shall do greatly. You shall do villain. The exploits you shall do shall bring glory to our Father in heaven. Men shall see your good works and glorify our Father in heaven. In the name of Jesus Christ. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. How are you today? Trust everyone around you is fine. Make yourself comfortable. Look for a good place to sit. A good place to position yourself. Look for your Bible. Get your notes ready. Because we're going to study the word of God again this morning. This morning we continue in fact, for the entire month of May, we are going to continue with the series we started in the month of April. Stories that touch. Stories that touch. What is the inspiration behind this theme? Um, I, I recall how God has helped me over time as a young believer 
growing up and I'm still growing. We are not yet there. In fact, we have just started. We are still growing. We'll grow into all that God wants us to be. We'll grow into all that God has called us to be. That by reason of that growth, there will be so much fruitfulness that the world will get to know Jesus the way he should be known. That we will portray him well. I, I want to grow to such an extent. And this is my encouragement for you. That we will be able to take charge of certain things on behalf of the Father. On behalf of the kingdom. To be kingdom ambassadors. To be kingdom representatives. To carry the grace of the kingdom in this territory. And so that men may see our good works. And glorify our Father who is in heaven. This is how glory works in the kingdom. It works through growth. Because growth produces fruitfulness. And fruitfulness commands results. This is how the strategy is. So as we get into these stories. What comes to mind is why we are doing Why are we doing this? As a child growing up in the faith, these are some of the stories that helped shape my understanding of Jesus, that helped shape my knowledge of the Lord. These are stories that bring wisdom, not only power, but also bring wisdom. And this wisdom is needed in this terrain. When you operate in this terrain called Earth, where we are strangers, we need a lot of wisdom to navigate the roads. So these stories are here to prepare us for a life of impact here and to prepare us for eternity in heaven with Jesus. So these stories have been coined. They have been brought forward. They are the stories that you have probably known before. But the, the Lord will be giving us grace to be able to impart wisdom through the sharing of these stories and give specific instruction because this is the nature of God's word. It's profitable to direct. It's profitable for doctrine to guide us in the ways of righteousness to do a lot of things to rebuke i know we don't like the rebuking part but to guide us to rebuke us to put us into shape hallelujah so we continue in that series called stories that touch so for the rest of this month each uh, saturday we will take a story that touch this morning our story that touch is called caught in the act caught in the act that is caught while doing something while doing something you know um in in lagos we we do a lot of funny things and uh, you get away with it just until you are caught you know you are fond of driving one way and one day you will not do it and last one will catch you you know when they catch you then everything changes the, the times that you've been doing now nobody caught you you, you didn't feel anything hmm? you didn't feel anything you see students in the exam hall they've been doing expo they've been doing anything everything changes when they get caught so there's something about getting caught you know, people don't feel guilty about doing something wrong until they get caught. In fact, when you see people, you know, weeping and feeling remorseful, it's because they got caught, not because they admit that what they did was wrong. In fact, sometimes they just admit that what they did was wrong so that they can be released. Hmm? So we want to explore that topic, caught in the act. Uh, start with me uh, from the book of John chapter 18. John chapter 18, I'm going to read a few verses and make some comments. John chapter 18, this is the story of how Peter was caught in the act. You know, um, each one of us, we always feel we are so strong, we are so smart, we are so righteous, we are so fantastic, that it can never happen to me, I can never do wrong. Mm -mm. 
I'm too strong. I'm too wise. I know the Bible too much. I can never do wrong. I'm such a child of God. My life is just so perfect. I'm not like those sinners. You know, we, we want to reference ourselves from a different point of view and make ourselves look stronger than we really are instead of working on our deficiencies. And by the way, we've got it. We've got, got our deficiencies. We've got those soft spots, those places that can trip us, those things that can make us fall. We've all got it. The earlier we admit it, the better for us. Hmm? So Peter was always so full of confidence you know everybody was saying oh no um jesus jesus spoke to the disciples say hey there's coming a time that all of you will run away from me you will desert me you will deny me because me even if everybody denies you know it cannot be peter you know have you forgotten who i am my name is peter on this rock this rock Jesus, okay calm down all of you will do it in fact you peter you will do it three times and there will be a sign you know a cock will crow before that cock crows twice, you shall have denied me thrice. Peter said, ah, it can't happen to me. So we'll see what happened to Peter in uh, John chapter 18. I'm going to read from verse 15. I, I hope you're with your Bibles. Okay, let's read together. The Bible says, And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. So this happened after the Lord Jesus had been arrested in the garden. And they've taken him to the house of the chief priest. And they were questioning him. And they were tormenting him. So the Bible says Jesus was taken to that house. Then Simon Peter followed Jesus. And so did another disciple. You know, we usually forget this other disciple. Actually, it was not only Peter that went to the house. There was another disciple that went. Many scholars think it could have been John. Huh? But there was another disciple that followed Peter to that house. So now that disciple was known to the high priest. So this disciple that followed Peter was someone who was known in the house of the high priest. So people in the compound of the high priest knew that disciple and knew who he was, right? So the Bible says, And went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door outside. Peter stood at the door outside. Then the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in. So you understand what's going on here? Two people arrived, Peter and the disciple. They got to the door. They know the other disciple, so it was easy to admit him. But they didn't allow Peter. Peter stood at the door. So that disciple went to meet a, a lady who was keeping the door. You understand? So and spoke with her and said, oh, this is my guy. Please allow him to come in. So they now allowed Peter to come in. See where I'm going. So this disciple had to go and meet somebody to say, allow this person to come in. Meaning, this man and I are together. We are in the same team. Allow us to come in. So they moved. And uh, the Bible says in verse 17, Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, hmm? You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? So, meaning that the, the lady knew that that other disciple was a disciple of Jesus. Look at the use of words. You are not also one of his, one of this man's disciples, are you? So she was aware, fully aware, that the other disciple who begged for Peter to be admitted was a disciple of Jesus, granted. But it was not the target. So the, the young lady was asking, Mr. Peter, are you sure you are not also one of this man's disciples as this your friend is? So he denied. He said, I am not. Peter denied. I am not. Now the servants and the officers who had made a fire of coals stood there, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves. And Peter stood with them and warmed himself. 
So, understand what's going on here. Peter was beginning to walk in the pathway that always leads to shame. The first thing was he was in a place that he should not have been. The Bible said he started warming himself in the fire made by these strangers. So he was in a company where it was not easy to admit that he was a disciple. You are not getting it. There are certain places we go to that you struggle to identify as a Christian. Why? Everybody around has an opposite view about Christianity. And you are there. So because you want to feel among, you don't want to feel left out. So when they say, okay, shall we serve some alcoholic beverages, you know, it's not very alcoholic, it's just like 20%. And we have put some, some orange flavor and some, some apple flavor. It's, it's not really so bad. So because you don't want to feel left out, you say, well, I'll, I'll, I'll manage a cup. And then from a cup, it becomes a bottle. From a bottle, it becomes two. This is exactly how sin operates. You start gradually. You start, you start building momentum. So Peter was in that place. I said, mm, I can't admit it. In fact, it is risky to admit it. So you know, this man has just been caught and I don't know what's going to happen. I saw what happened in the garden of Gethsemane. How they began to maltreat him. If I begin to identify with him, I'm not going to be having problems. We do that. We do that without even thinking about what we are doing. So we distance ourselves from the master and we align ourselves with the people who are against him watch out is the first few steps towards falling so he kept on on this journey if you continue if you go to verse 25 i'm going to skip some verses because i need to manage time verse 25 of the same chapter 18 the bible says now simon peter stood and warmed himself he was warming himself of course with strangers with strange fire therefore they said to him, you are not also one of his disciples, are you? The same question. The question that was asked by the slave girl was asked now by the man who stood with him, with whom he was warming himself. The Bible says he denied it and said, I am not. He denied a second time. Second time. Then one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him, whose ear Peter cut off, said, mm -mm. did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter then denied again. And immediately, a rooster crowed. A rooster crowed. So, someone was saying, Bro, I see you in church. You attend that church. I know you. In fact, you prophesied last Sunday in that church. I saw you. You were leading the choir. In fact, you are one of the ushers. And you are denying. Because you are in a club. And the, 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 the light is now red or blue or whatever color it is. And there is one, one person you are already winking at. Say, I, I know you. You attend so-so church. Your church was a church caught in the wrong place, caught in the act. Peter was caught right in the act. And it happens to many of us. Oh, not everybody gets caught in the act. But you know, over time we think we are so smart. We do, we do it. We do it and nobody catches us. So, yes, Jesus had prophesied that this will happen. But when it happened, only Peter knew what had happened. Thank God for Peter's conscience. Thank God for Peter's mindset. That, that moment he realized he had done something wrong. Of course, the Bible told us about how he had to retrace his steps. I was so sorry for denying him. I was so sorry for, for, for making himself become a stranger just because he needed to protect himself at that point in time. And we do it, we excuse ourselves. So we don't really get so caught. We only get caught in our, in our conscience. But no, no, 
Let's go to the story of someone who actually got caught right in the act. Turn your Bibles with me to um, the book of the same John. Yeah, let's do John again. I like the, the account in John better. Uh, let's do chapter 8. I think I'll, I'll, I'll do the account in um, John. Yes, chapter 8. I'm going to read from verse 2. I'm going to read from verse 2 to verse 11. Are you there with me now? So this was the account of the unnamed woman that was caught in the act of adultery. The unnamed woman. The Bible says now, I'm reading from verse 2. Now, early in the morning, he came again into the temple. That's speaking about Jesus. He came again according to his act, his, his um, lifestyle. He would go out in the morning to go and pray. Then this particular morning after going out, spending all night in the Mount of Olives, then he came to the temple. You remember Mount of Olives is, is not far from the temple. It's almost opposite the temple. If you read uh, Matthew chapter 24, you understand what I'm talking about. So, Jesus came to the temple and all the people came to him and he sat and touched them. He sat and touched them. The Bible says in verse 3, Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. She was caught in the very act. Now, Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? The Bible said they said this, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. Lord have mercy on us. There are many times people say things to you. You don't know why they are saying those things to you. That's why we need wisdom. That's why we need grace. We need discernment. He said they said this to him so that they will find something to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up. The Bible said they continued asking him. He raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at first at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the least. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord, no one. <laughs> and Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Then Jesus spoke to them again. Okay, let me leave that. Let me leave that. That's another story. So he began to deal with the, the Pharisees and, and the, the scribes later. This is a very interesting story. Hmm? And I, I need you to pay attention to the three characters you see in this story. Hmm? You see a woman, the woman, this woman that was not mentioned by name in scriptures. This woman, this nameless woman. We saw this nameless woman. We saw the accusers, the scribes and the Pharisees. And we saw the Lord. Hmm? Three sets of people, the woman, the accusers, and the Lord. What I find very intriguing about this, this story is that this word, indeed, is not balanced. 
You know, when you say you catch someone in the very act of adultery, by the definition of the word adultery, is not an activity for one person. It's a two-person activity. In the context of this scripture, they didn't say we found her in Sodomy, so she was not found with another woman. She was found in adultery. They didn't say we found her in masturbation, so she was not found alone. They didn't say we found her in bestiality, she was not found with an animal. She was found with a man, obviously. But the world is so imbalanced, the justice system is so warped, that nobody talked about the man. Even in this scripture, nobody talked about the man. Why? Because the Pharisees of the day, they had a warped justice system that was in favor of a certain gender called the men folk. So the women were always oppressed. The women were always victims of the cultural system, of the societal system. Not much has changed today too. If you look at our environment, we look at our community, not much has changed. Two people caught in the act. One person arrested, the other left to go. Maybe they collected fine, maybe they collected bribe, maybe they just ignored them and dragged the woman. Why? Because they had another motive. It was not about the woman. They were going to set Jesus up. Do you understand? So we see this woman here that was a victim, although guilty, a guilty victim, a victim of societal ill, but yet guilty because she played into the script. She played right into the script, right into their hands. So we see this woman, she was brought. This woman did not say a word. We don't hear from the scriptures where else she said something until Jesus asked her a direct question in verse 10 and she answered in verse 11. This woman did not deny. Take note of this. You know, in our, in our system, when somebody is caught in the act in Nigeria, if you are caught in the corrupt practice, oh, you stole money, you stole money. Hmm? And you have been found out. EFCC has found you. Let's even forget about those who are doing drama, who wrap themselves up in braces and wear large collars. And the next minute you see them going somewhere to pray. You know, miracles happen. Nigerian miracles happen. How you, you, you were on, on, on crutches, where your braces you were on collar as we were coming to the court. But the moment you left the court, you are so huge. You have been made whole. How everybody enters the court and they begin to faint. You know, just once you, you enter court, EFCC has caught you, you suddenly de de uh, develop some strange sicknesses. That's not what we are talking about. We are saying that when people get accused like that, maybe EFCC has uh, accused you, you have a case to answer. What do people say? Oh, is he the only one who stole? Mm -mm. Did he steal? Oh, yes. So this woman did not say, no, I'm not the only one doing adultery. In fact, I'm not the only one that was in the act. Or she didn't say, I, I, I didn't do it. She did it. So she was quiet. And this is a lesson for, for, for all of us. When you do wrong, it's not time to lie. It's not time to try to, to justify the wrong that you have done. She didn't do it. She didn't try to justify the wrong she has done. She was caught in the act. This is a fact. So she didn't come and say, Well, um, I, I wasn't really doing it. Um, in fact, it, it's, not, it's not what you think. You know, when people get caught, if you watch Nigerian movies, they say, Oh, no, it's not what you think. What, what, what am I supposed to think? What am I supposed to think? So she didn't say, It's not what you think. And this is the, the, the part that pays me for many of us. When we do wrong, we commit sin. The first thing is to admit that you are wrong. We don't want to admit. We color it. 
We say, oh, it's accepted in the society. The society anyway doesn't frown at it. Believe me, she wasn't the only one doing stuff that day. Maybe there were several others. But she was the one that was fortunate enough to be caught. Because I use the word carefully, fortunate. Because after she was caught, she, she met the one who is the light of the world. And her life changed. And her life changed because she was caught. So she, she admitted, I'm wrong. I am wrong. I am wrong. This is the first step. When you are caught in the act, admit that you are wrong. So she admitted. Admit that even though it's not only you doing it, admit that wrong is wrong. So she didn't protest against the injustice of the system. Say, well, there was a man with me. In fact, I was not alone. Mm -mm. Were you wrong? Yes. Admit it. Sin is per head. Salvation is per head. You sinned. Admit it. This is the first step to healing. This is the first step to restoration. This is the first step to repentance. If we cannot admit that we are wrong, we cannot embrace what Jesus has to offer, which is forgiveness. Forgiveness is indeed an acknowledgement of wrong. If you never admitted you were wrong, you cannot appreciate forgiveness. So this is the woman. But she's not the only person in this story. There is the set of accusers, the scribes and the Pharisees. The Bible says they came to Jesus. You see, it's not about coming early. Read your Bible. The Bible says they came early. Jesus was in the temple early. So it's not about going to church early that makes you a true person who believes in Jesus. They went to church early. They were religious people in their gown. They went to church early in their uniform. They went to church early. But see what Bible said later. They too were sinners. Read verse, verse 9. Verse 9, the Bible says, Jesus spoke to them. He said, anybody that has not sinned here, let them throw the first stone. All the Pharisees and scribes left. I thought these guys were very holy, righteous people. You know, people who are going to heaven. People who arrive early in church. People who dress in long gowns. People who pray at the street corners. People whose voices are so loud during worship and prayer. People who carry this sanctimonious face. People who carry this pious look. Bros, last, last, all of them were sinners. The Bible says they left from the oldest to the youngest. They left. We, at least we thank God for them. They had conscience. They were respected sinners. Maybe their own sin was not adultery like the woman, but they too were sinners. And that's what their action proved. Because they could not throw the stone. All of them left. One after the other. Meaning that there was sin in their lives too. So when you, you see people who try to, you know, carry this, this, um, this, this kind of uh, expression to, to make it look like, hmm, we are the perfect ones. We don't make mistakes. We don't do wrong. It's only you. Everybody has what they are hiding. Everybody. Mm -mm, everybody has what they are hiding. So this is what Jesus proved to them. That you two, you have things that... Maybe your punishment will not be stoning. But before God, sin is sin. So you are also wrong. Be careful as you accuse others. You are wrong too. You have your own wrong, but you have put it under your, your very long gowns. You have your own wrongs too. But you are hiding it so well. So you are not seen as the kind of sinner that can be dragged on the street. You are a very respected sinner. Very respected one. Verse 7 is the part that pains me in this scripture. Verse 7, look at verse 7. The Bible says... So they continued asking him, 
They continued asking him. You know, they, they, they asked him in, in verse 3 already. He said, the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And, they, and when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very earth. Now Moses and the Lord commanded us that such should be shown. So what do you say? So they already asked him. The verse 7 says, they continued asking him. They kept asking. Accusers don't stop. Please, write it down. So don't play into their hands. Accusers don't stop. They will not stop until they bring somebody down. They will not stop until they drag somebody's destiny in the mud. They accused her continuously, persistently. Persistently. This woman must die. She has done something so evil. Even though we too, we do our things. And they are evil too. But they are not public evil. They are private evil. But this woman deserves to die. So they continue to report her and report her and report her. This is what sin does. Sin puts you in the place where you are exposed to people that don't give up on accusation. They do the devil's work very well. The devil is the accuser of the brethren. They are the deputy devils. Didi. They accuse continually, persistently. So that's why you cannot continue at this level. Mm-mm. And it's because of a level. We are coming there. They accused the woman so they can find something to accuse Jesus. So they kept asking. They kept asking. One of it we, we cast. Is it that the woman stones will be cast at, at her? Or Jesus will say something that we will use to accuse him? So Jesus ignored them and he kept writing. He kept writing. Then when they persisted, Jesus rose up. He said, okay guys, since you guys are so stubborn and you want a ruling, this is my ruling. If you have no sin, you have not sinned before, please be the first to throw a stone. Be the first to throw the stone. The Bible says all of them, they left from the oldest to the youngest. Obviously, the, the older you are, the more sin you have committed among those Pharisees. You, you know their ways now. You know their ways, how they pretend to be good and they are not. So, from the elders, they began to drop the stone. Hmm. This man don't catch us. They began to drop the stone and leave. Notice that everybody left except the sinless one, Jesus. If anybody was qualified to throw that stone, it was Jesus. But he didn't throw it. Jesus, the sinless one, the only one who did not sin, who has not sinned, who was not born from sin, was there, right there. He didn't stone the woman. However, after admitting that the woman had sinned, he pardoned the woman, but he recognized her sin. And that's why he said, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more means that I know that you have sinned. And by now, I hope you also know that you have sinned. I don't condemn you. Condemn means that I've written you off. Sentenced to death. Jesus said, I'm not doing that. I'm going to give you another chance. I know there is some good in you. I know that you can get better. I know that you are better than this. And you know it's true. You know it's true. And I believe in you. Even though today you are rising and falling... You are failing and falling daily. And this is something that Christians experience in our journey of growth. You know, this Christian journey is like being born into a family. 
Remember what Jesus was teaching Nicodemus in John chapter 3. It's like being born. So you are born as a baby. You are not born as an adult. And there are different steps. There are different levels in, in Christendom. If you read, I, I don't have en- enough time to teach it today. If you read uh, the book of 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Um, I'll read it quickly. 1 John chapter 2. I'm going to read from verse 12. From 12 to 15. And that about, yeah. From, yes. So the Bible says, and these are the three levels, and this is one big explanation for why we see baby Christians rising and falling into sin often. It's because of where they are. And that's why you cannot stay at that level. You must grow up. Oh, will there come a time where you will never be able to sin? No, that time will not come. Where you will not be able. But a time will come where you will be able to overcome sin. And sin will not have dominion over you. Where you are in charge. Where your impulses are not in charge. Where your spirit man is controlled by the spirit of God. And you can then resist the devil and resist sinning. There comes that time. See what the apostle was uh, speaking here. Apostle John. He says, I write to you. I'm reading verse 12. I write to you, little children. Because your sins are forgiven you. For his name's sake. You see, the level of children is a level of sinning. If you recall, you're growing up, or if you have younger ones, or you have babies, you have children, you have toddlers, you will understand exactly what I'm saying. Because of where they are, they are trying to master this life, to walk in this new life. They were in the womb before. So the kind of life they lived was different. It was constrained. But now you come into a new life, just like you come into a new life in Christ. The environment is different. There are obstacles. There are new challenges. So they begin to trip you. The things you see begin to trip you. The things you hear begin to trip you and you begin to fall and rise and fall and rise. But you can't stay at that level of falling and rising. That level of sinning. You can't stay at that level. If you start from that chapter, the same book of John chapter 2, this is, this is a whole uh, series of teaching. So I'm just breezing through it. I'm, I'm, not, I'm just laying a foundation to, to, to let you understand how this works. If you read verse 1 of chapter 2 of the same first John, it says, My little children, these things I write to you, so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the world. If you back up a bit, uh, uh, chapter 1, if you read from verse 8, it says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. You Listen to the use of words. Pay attention. Have. Hmm? It didn't say add. Have. So it is present. Have. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Quickly compare that to verse 10. Verse 10 says, if we say that we have not sinned. So there is something called, we have sinned. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But there is something like, we have sinned. In verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins. Jesus, uh, the, the apostle here was speaking to believers. He was speaking to believers. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you understand? So the reason that we sin so frequently, so easily, is because of where we are. 
children level. Children level. As a toddler, you are rising and falling. A time should come where you will outgrow toddler level. And you will begin to have stability in your work with the Lord. Stability in your work with the Lord. And that's the next level. So I go back to where we were reading, verse 12. I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. So the children experience a forgiving father because the children are sinning children. They are children, but they are sinning children because they are still children. But you can't be children for, forever. You can't be children for life. You have to grow up because it's in growth that will fulfill the idea Christ had in mind that we will mature into the fullness of the stature, the measure of the stature of Christ. This is what Jesus wants, not that we will remain as children. We've got to grow up. He said, I write to you, fathers, verse 13, because you have known him who is from the beginning. So a, a time comes where we become fathers, where we have known the Lord, where we, we have had intimacy with him, where we, we, have, we have outgrown certain childish Puerile or youthful things. We have gone to maturity. And there are certain things that are no longer the norm when you become a father. But between being a father and being a child, there's a stage called sons or young men. So it goes on to say, I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. You have overcome the wicked one. Why have the young uh Young men overcome the wicked one. If you back down to verse 14, say, I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. So it's a time where you, you have eaten so much of the word, you have grown. So you can now walk in victory over the wicked one, Satan, the accuser. So he has less things to accuse you of. You have overcome the wicked one. So growing up is part of the explanation that we need to have to begin to walk in victory over sin. So Jesus told the woman, he said, I don't condemn you. I know you are still a child. In fact, maybe you have not even entered the journey to begin to walk with me. He said, but I'll give you another chance. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. I do not condone the sin. I am not party to the sin. I do not encourage this sin. And this is the balance we need to strike when we preach the message of grace to, to those that are walking in sin, those who are living in sin. The, the message of grace is not for you to continue in sin. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? The Apostle Paul said, God forbid. This is not the essence of grace. The essence of grace is in Titus chapter 2 verse 11. is to teach you to walk in righteousness so badly you live a righteous and godly life in this present age that is the essence of grace teaching you to shun that worldliness to shun that unrighteousness to shun that ungodly way of living that is the essence of righteousness not to continue in sin to say well grace is available after all after everything will tell me go and sin no more if you get caught in that sin brother sister you are going nowhere with jesus so Jesus told her, I do not condemn you, but at the same time, I do not condone this sin. I recognize this sin, and I'm not happy with it, but I'm giving you a chance. Go and see no more. Go and see no more. So as we wrap up, the things I want you to take away from this message are the following. Number one, you may not get caught, but remember, nothing is hidden that will not be exposed. Nothing. 
There is nothing that is eaten that will not be exposed. If you read Psalm 139 verse 12, he said, night and day, they are alike before him. If you like, do it in the night. Jesus is watching you. Jesus can see you just like it is during the day. He can see you. CCTV is everywhere. The CCTV of Jesus is everywhere. So don't think you can hide a life of sin from him. I will do it secretly. My pastor will not know. Oh, your pastor may not know. I will do it so much. My brethren will not know. My parents will not know. My siblings will not know. My children will not know. My spouse will not know. They may not know. Guess who knows? Jesus knows. So you can't hide it from him. Book of Luke chapter 12. If you read from verse 1 to 3. Jesus said, see, the, the words that you are whispering under the roof, I will announce it on top of the roof. There's no need for this hypocrisy. Mm-mm. There's no need. Let your yes be yes. Your no be no. If you are standing with Jesus, stand with him. Don't stand with him in the church and at home you are something else. You are somebody else. You stand with him on Sunday morning, but on Friday night, you were standing with them in the club. You were in that strip club. You were in that place. They were puffing the shisha. You were there. You sat with them. He said, don't do that. Don't live that double life. I can see you. I can see you. In church, you speak the truth. In the office, you speak a lie. I can see you. I can see you. I see the wardrobe you have. In your wardrobe, one compartment is for church. The other one is for the streets. I can see you. Can you just be a Christian full-time? Can you be a full-time Christian in your word, in your deed, in your thoughts? I know your thoughts. I see everything. I can see you. Don't try to hide. You may not get caught in the act. But I have the footage. Should I release it? I have the footage. Can you make amends? Can you make amends? I have the footage. Stop giving the accuser job to do. Devil is the accuser of the brethren. If you read Zechariah chapter 3 from 1 to to 3, the priest Joshua was being accused by the devil. Why? He was wearing a filthy garment. Filthy garment symbolizing sin. Yes, he was a priest. He was supposed to be stronger, better. He should have known more. He should have known better. He should have done better. He was being accused. Why? He was living in sin. He was clothed with a filthy garment. A few the garment. But the Lord rebuked the devil and gave the priest a new garment. Brothers and sisters, it's time to take up a new garment. It's time to put off the old man so that you can put on the new man that is renewed after Christ. You need to put off the old man first so that you can put on the new man. You need to put off this way of sin. It's not going to help anybody. It's not going to help you. Admitting it is the first step. Don't, don't, don't fake it. The Christian journey should not be faked. It's going to be real. Make it real. Don't fake it. Don't give the devil a reason to accuse you. Remember what the Pharisees did. They didn't stop accusing. The devil won't stop accusing you. And when he, when he accuses you, he has a legal right because you've given him a room to do so. We give the accuser legal right to oppress us when we give him to sin. We give him a legal right to accuse us when we give him to sin. Sin shall not have dominion over you. It shall not have dominion over you. I know the subject of sin is not an interesting one. When we teach and preach about sin, your mind, oh, why are they so judgmental? No. It's because there's a day called Judgment Day. And Jesus has said that day, there will be no partiality. He will only judge 
righteous judgment. So that's why we need to examine our ways and check ourselves. Forget about what people think. Jesus knows what is. What is, is. You can't change what is before you admit it. You must admit it first. That what I'm doing is not right. Where I am is not a good place. I've been in Christ for some time or I'm new in faith, but I see myself rising and falling daily. This is not where I want to be. This is not where I want to be. Grow up, brethren. Grow up. We've got to grow up. There is a level where we come to and these things that trip us will no longer be able to trip us. Why? The word of God, Bible says, because his word abides in you. His word abides in you. Say, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. Your word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against you. The word can keep you if you keep the word. If you treasure the word. I pray that God will grant us grace that will not bring shame to him or his kingdom. And for as many of us who are rising and falling, may he give us grace to become stable. I encourage you to grow up. How, how do I know you have grown up? First thing is to admit it. Not to me. No, go and admit it to him. He knows it all the same anyways. But go and admit it to him. Admit it to Jesus. Jesus, this is my area. This is the area that treats me all the time. Once I see this, my mumu button is pressed, I start to misbehave. Go and talk to Jesus. After this message, talk to him. Deal with it. Deal with it. You know, sometimes, because of the things ahead, we've got to deal with the things that, we, that are tripping us now. There are certain places God will not allow you to go for your own sake because of the way you are living now. There are great things ahead of you. There are things God wants to bring you into. Things he wants you to accomplish for yourself, for the kingdom. That sin is preventing you from doing today. Will you continue to allow sin to stop you? Sin stop you? Put it aside. Lay aside every weight and the sin that easily besets you. And run with patience the race. Run with endurance the race that Jesus has set before you. Look unto him, the author and finisher of our faith. Look to him. There is strength in him. He asked the woman, where are the accusers? He said, no one, Lord. He said, go and sin no more. I give you the same charge today. I do not condemn you, Jesus said, but go and sin no more. He's saying the same thing to you today. For adventure, you are living in sin. For adventure, you are struggling with an habit. Jesus said to you, I do not condemn you. Yes, I acknowledge your sin, but go and sin no more. But you receive the grace to go and sin no more. In the name of Jesus, I pray for you that the Lord will keep you. He will establish you in his love. He will make your feet firm. You will stand for him. You will not be tripped by sin any longer. God bless you. Pay attention to the following announcements. And see you next week. Invite friends. And God bless and keep you. In Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for listening. To get copies of messages, kindly visit our ministry material store. And also worship with us at Foundation of Truth Assembly Headquarters on 40 Stroke 42 Imam Dowder Street. Of Eric Mosso, Lagos. God bless you.